Do you know what type of doctor you want to be? With over 160 medical specialties and the rapid pace of medical school, choosing your final path in medicine can be challenging. MedicMap is here to help. Each episode features an interview with a practicing physician across a broad array of specialties and backgrounds. Tune in to discover the insights these professionals have to offer and to get all the juicy details to help you map your career in medicine. Happy listening! Welcome to our second episode of MedicMap, where we dive deep into the minds of experts from various specialties in the medical field. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Susan Poon, a renowned psychiatrist based in Calgary. In this episode, we will be exploring the fascinating world of psychiatry and the unique insights Dr. Poon has to share with her journey throughout medical school, CARMS matching, compensation, and the degree of opportunities that psychiatry presents. So sit back and relax as we dive right in. Hello, Dr. Poon. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's great to have you here. Why don't we dive right in with some of the questions? Why did you choose psychiatry? What made you go into this field? Mm -hmm. So I think I chose psychiatry because I really liked the patient presentations. Um, The patient presentations, like they're just so fascinating, so easy to remember. And the nature of the job and the way that you have to take a history is that you don't just learn about a patient's individual symptoms, but you have to learn the story of how the symptoms came to be and how it affects their life and others around them. And so uh, being able to learn um, the patient's story as opposed to an individual symptom is I just find really humanizing and the patient's not just a number on a say like a blood work result. And so I really like going into detail and understanding the patient. And so I find that um, the stories, like some of them are just like very incredible, very wild, unbelievable. Like you just can't make some of these stories up. And so that really makes it easy for me to naturally work with, to understand. And what I like about psychiatry specifically is that they give you the time um, to go into depth with the patient. So oftentimes, for example, with like a follow-up interview, um, with a patient, it's 30 to 60 minutes as opposed to like a 15 minute slot that I'm forced to cram in to learn the patient. And so I really enjoy that and that I'm well compensated to do that. The interview that I'm doing with the patient, um, is very enjoyable too, because psychiatry involves a lot of communication with the patient there's this real art of the interview that you have to learn. And to me, it feels like a dance when you're talking to a patient, right? Um, You really develop good communication skills, how to deal with, say, like the guarded patient versus the overly talkative patient. And finally, like what I might also say about psychiatry is that you have to be really well-rounded to be good at this job, right? Like not just about medicine, but the more you know about other topics like ethics, sociology, philosophy, religion, culture, politics, economics, like the better you are at your job and being able to understand um, the patient. So there's a real holistic aspect in caring um, for the patients and the folks that I deal with. What you see in psychiatry is that you have this long-term relationship that you can develop Um, just by nature of mental health being a chronic illness. And so you get to share the highs and lows with them and you get to see them get better with time as well. Um, With the nature of the job, I find that uh, the work-life balance is very good. There's a lot of 
flexibility with the job, a lot of variety within it. You have good control um, over how you run your job. And as a specialist, I find that it fits my personality quite well. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist um, just because like, I know that I'm it. I'm well-trained in all the end therapies that are there are ranging from like the biological treatments um, with medications, neurostimulation, but also the non-biological treatments like uh, the counseling as well as how to connect patients with community resources. That's awesome. And how did you decide that psychiatry was the way for you throughout your journey in medical school? Mm-hmm. So in med school, the funny thing was that I actually didn't know that I was going to end up in psychiatry. Uh, what happened was that I was originally exploring family medicine when I came across psychiatry as a possible career path. And so um, how I really learned about psychiatry was a lot of shadowing and interviewing uh, those who were in the specialty. And each time that I got exposed to psychiatry, I was able to understand um, like the following points that I mentioned before about like why um, there's so much to like about it. Um, but at that time, I was still very indecisive between psychiatry and family medicine um, just because I was hesitant about letting go everything else that family medicine had to offer with it being a, a general specialty. And so uh, what really helped me um make a decision between the two was uh, to go into depth with each career decision. Like if I were to go into family medicine, um, what exactly would I want to do? And I didn't know the answer to that because um, family medicine is so broad. All I knew at that time was that I just wanted to work with a marginalized population, but to focus more on the, the psychiatric mental health side of things. And so during my um, first psychiatry elective, which was at the very beginning of my clerkship rotation, my mentor at the time, who was originally a family doc who retrained a psychiatrist, kind of challenged me and said that, like, well, if you're going to be working with primarily mental health presentations anyways as a family doctor, like, why don't you just do the full five-year training instead of, like, the two-year training? And I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. So what ended up happening was that I was, like, last minute switching all of my electives to reflect more of a, a CARMS application for psychiatry, and luckily I did get into psychiatry for, for residency. So you were able to change things up kind of last minute based on the decision that you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of CARMS, so how did you actually set yourself up for CARMS? I know you gave us a little bit of a preview, but how did you set yourself up for the psychiatry path once you decided that's the way you wanted to go? Yeah, so I applied for CARMS back in 2016. So I guess my disclaimer is that um, it's a little bit outdated information. And um, I, I do encourage people in med school to talk to residents um, about the CARMS process so that um, they can get more contemporary and up-to-date information. But um, what was going on with my CARMS application at the time was there's Uh, two parts. There's the paper application and there's the interview. And with the paper application, no matter what specialty you're applying to, um, the MSPR, which is like the medical student performance record with the written comments, especially the written comments by the preceptor and the reference letters are the most important. 
So uh, the recommendation that I got at the time and that I still have moving forward for uh, med students is that you want to get, you know, at the very least one reference letter from a psychiatrist, but a lot of successful applicants end up submitting three reference letters from three different psychiatrists. So for example, one elective and um, two from your core block. And what I ended up doing for my clerkship is like, as I was switching things up last minute, is that I was able to ultimately do um, three electives in psychiatry. So uh, two electives before the CARMS application, my core block, which I was in uh, UCLIC, a longitudinal uh, rural clerkship um, at the time, and then the third one post CARMS. And um, when I was doing the electives and my core block for psychiatry, uh, asking for my reference letter, uh, the phrase that I was told, and I still recommend um, when you're asked for a reference letter, is can you write me a strong reference letter? And if you get any hesitation around that, then I, I suggest that you don't use that reference letter. But luckily, I was able to get these strong reference letters. And um, when it comes to the other part of the paper application, there's a component called your personal letter. And it's very similar to writing a cover letter like you would with a, a job application. And in psychiatry, this is relatively more com important compared to the other specialties. So what I was doing throughout med school, both pre-clerkship and clerkship, was a lot of reflective work of the reasons of like, why do I like psychiatry to begin with? And what was my story of how I got interested so that I could articulate this personal letter? So then came time for the interview. What really helped me um, prepare for the CARMS match was uh, being able to make a record as I went through my clerkship specific examples and uh, case presentations that I could use when answering their interview questions, um, keeping in mind of like the CAN-MED roles. And so that was helpful at the time as well. When it came to preparing for residency, just being able to broad principles of like being a good medical student by knowing um, like still learning your presentations, having a good studying system in which you're not like constantly forgetting information, um, you know, learning how to say use flashcards, make use of the principle of space repetition so that you don't forget things um, did help in residency. So having an organized system of studying and learning um, was very helpful just because that first year of psychiatry residency is focused on off-service rotations, like you're still learning about non-psychiatry um, specialties. And then in your second year and beyond, then you're more focused in um, psychiatry rotations. Right. Okay. So thank you so much for that. I think some of the advice that you gave is the advice that a lot of mentors and a lot of residents also give. So I don't think it's too far outdated. I think that principle of trying to get reference letters from um, people within that specialty and trying to get really good reference letters still applies. So that's very clear and I'm sure that will be helpful for us. Do you find that uh, with your job, I know that a lot of psychiatrists say that their job can be heavy on the mind or heavy in their life. How do you separate your life versus your job? And do you find that you have to do that a lot? 
So yes and no, right? Like, um, speaking to the concept of, like, are you experiencing secondary trauma based on the stories that you hear? I think that those who go into psychiatry have it, um, it's easier for them to leave work at work mentally and then um, be fully present when they're out of work, right? And so that um, natural pre-ability to separate the two mentally has helped. Those who um, find it difficult, like they bring work home, um, that tends to lead to a lot of burnout. And like those, uh, they, they tend to catch that on and they end up not applying for psychiatry in the first place. So there is this natural ability that I find comes to those who do ultimately enter the specialty. Um, But like what I have to say is that um, with psychiatry, to become a good psychiatrist, you have to walk the talk as in practice the advice that you're giving the patients. And one of that principles is mindfulness of when you're practicing mindfulness, you're learning how to be fully present in the here and now. You're not five minutes ago. You're not five minutes ahead. You're completely immersed in whatever situation that you're in. And so by, you know, teaching that skill to our patients, and then uh, ultimately you have to learn that yourself. I find that that um, concept of taking work home becomes less problematic. Um, The other thing too uh, that helps is having that physical um, separation between work and personal life so that it doesn't interfere as much. And what's nice about psychiatry is because you have so much control over the the different aspects of your practice, say like where you work, when you work, whatnot, um, you can end up having less conflict uh, between the two as well. And so that helps with that work-life balance. Um, But going back to uh, that part of how does psychiatry impact my personal life? For the most part, I have to say like in a real positive way, because again, when you walk the talk uh, of the advice you give to your patients, like you just end up learning to have a better quality of life yourself, right? Like your mental health, your personal mental health improves. Um, You learn how to apply these skills in your relationships. So then your relationships improve as well. Um, And as a whole, like, you develop more self-awareness, uh, which is a very important tool to be an effective psychiatrist. And and so it, in a way, really complements your personal life, like really well. Yeah, that's awesome. So then with that being said, do you feel that psychiatry as a field is compensated well? Um, how does compensation work in this field? Mm-hmm. So um, is it compensated well? Like very much so. I would say that... Um, with how it's, sorry, let me just go back, right? So like, yes, very much so. Psychiatry is um, well compensated and you want to be able to find a job where like you chuckle to yourself, like, I can't believe I'm being paid to to do this. <laughs> and I, I definitely feel that sense of gratitude on uh, a regular basis. So I, I, I say that um, when you do your research about the specialties and the numbers that are quoted for like the average specialist um, for the different specialties, it's better to talk to individuals rather than like broad numbers online because 
there's so much information that's missing from these general broad stroke statistics, right? Like they're not always necessarily talking about, um, they're not always necessarily talking about the hours that are being put in work and like what type of work that they're doing and how draining that can or can't be. Um, they're not talking about um, how that compensates with like that person's lifestyle, gross income versus net income, overhead, all of that. And, and so when you talk to individual psychiatrists, there's a large, um, there's like a fairly large variation in how much they make compared to that general statistic where they, I think they say like we make, you know, sometimes like as low, as little as like $200,000 per year versus um, a little bit under uh, $400,000 per year. And so what ends up happening is like, if, if you have a psychiatrist who knows where to work, as well as how to build properly combined with like a good amount of financial literacy, you can find psychiatrists that easily makes annual salaries that are competitive as some of the more um, competitive lifestyle specialties like that road demonic, such as anesthesia or emergency department. And with combined with that good financial literacy, like you can easily find a lot of psychiatrists that have reached financial independence fairly quickly. And then after that, like money really becomes a bit of a, a moot point. And then you can start to focus on like other areas of the, the field where you don't have to worry about the finances. Um, and then you're going to have to start ask me that second part of that question. Yeah. So um, the second part of the question is what are like the specific perks of being in psychiatry um, in terms of compensation and in, in general? Mm-hmm. Right. So like with the perks, um, I find that it's like with that well compensation, like part of the reason why there's also good compensation is because there's very little overhead. Like I, I joke, but it's also kind of true that it's like you can go wherever you want to practice as long as you carry like a pen, a pad of paper and a, and a box of tissue papers with you. Right. Um, and so like very minimal overhead. All you're really paying for is like your licensing fees, more or less. Um, and then it's important to consider the behind the scenes, the non-direct, the indirect patient care that's being provided, right? And with psychiatry, like I don't find that I'm doing, I'm using my indirect patient care time to like fill out mundane forms. Instead, I'm using that time to do chart review and documentation of my more complex cases. And that time ends up being quite mentally stimulating for me as it feels like I'm unlocking a puzzle. And so I, I find that time to be actually quite enjoyable uh, and complementary to my, my specialty um, as opposed to a downside um, for myself. The other thing that's like a perk about the compensation is the how long you can last in psychiatry. So psychiatry um, is a lot of mental stimulation, but it's not quite per se physically taxing. Like even if say I were to be hit by a truck and my mind is still working, like I still very much easily uh, do my job. And so then I find that there are um, psychiatrists who, despite having disabilities over their lifetime, that they're still able to do their job enjoy it, but again, not worry about money. And then with the um, perks of like the, 
the compensation part of the job is there's a lot of flexibility and control of the hours, like I was mentioning before. And so that really complements it. Like you have a lot of negotiating and bargaining power of how you run your practice, um, especially when the specialty is in such high demand. And again, with the perks, like you grow as a person, just naturally becoming a psychiatrist and just really liking who you are as a person, I would say. Um, and the the work culture is is very good because like we're aware of like the themes of burnout, um, work life balance. Like I, I'm very um, incredibly thankful and grateful for the the colleagues I've worked with and that um, that work culture. Let's just say we had a person who was very financially literate, uh, done residency, started practicing. Uh, They have a good understanding of, you know, how to bill, um, how to organize their patients and structure everything. Let's consider things like overhead costs and additional fees. How much could you say that a person who has all those qualities and is trained that way um, could possibly make if we were to give it a number? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, let's say that, um, like, if if you're doing very well off, um, like, you could easily say, like, $500, $600,000 for like a salary. And there's actually a very good um, website with um, Alberta um, under the Alberta government where like they'll list the different specialties, the different income brackets and like the number of individuals within that specialty that, that are making within that income bracket. Right. And so, um, Definitely like that half million mark plus or minus $200,000. Like there's definitely a a hump um, in that curve. And then like the rare, um, like the occasional psychiatrist that will make over a million. Um, And so like in that sense, if I'm talking about financial independence, like I I would say that like if you're living as like the average public community member, and you're using, say, the 4% rule to talk about financial independence, like you could easily become financially independent within a couple of years, like two, three years. Thank you for giving me like an exact picture. And I'll make sure to find that website and link it below as well. In the previous podcast, I interviewed a a private practicing family physician. Uh, He talked about the concept of reinventing your practice or reinventing yourself every few years so you don't get burnt out, you don't get tired. Is that a possibility within psychiatry? And if so, have you done anything like that? So um, absolutely and 100%, right? Um, Like what I can say is that I've only been in practice for almost two years and it's already hard keeping up with which psychiatrist is doing what because it's just so easy to switch things up. And so like I was saying, psychiatry has high demand um, and there's a lot of different subspecialties that you can go to and settings that you can practice in. So, for example, like the common of um, subspecialties in psychiatry, like child and adolescent, geriatric, forensic psychiatry. But then there's these non like informal subspecialties of, um, say, like med- like consultant liaison. So like med psych, um, neuropsychiatry, uh, if you want to do like just pure psychotherapy, um, neurostimulation, et cetera, et cetera, like the possibilities are endless. Like if you can think of a specific presentation, a population that's setting to work in, like you can more or less 
do it. Uh, and so with that lot of flexibility and mobility, like it's very easy to get into new things. Um, the caveat I would say, which is, I feel very applicable to any specialty is that the more isolated your practice is, the harder it can be to find someone to take over your practice when you do leave from one thing to the other, which is, uh, again, true no matter what specialty that you're in as compared to, and so then what ends up happening is that most psychiatrists uh, will end up working in groups um, rather than working uh, solo. So for myself personally, um, as I said, I'm almost two years in practice, but I already see myself starting to switch things up as I start to um, know more about myself as well as like expand other areas of my personal life as well. And I can anticipate that as I enter different life stages, right, um, that my career will start to evolve um, to accommodate for that work-life balance, as well as the ability to enter like into other pockets of psychiatry so that I just continue to remain well-rounded. And last question is, what is the best advice that you can give to our listeners today, whether that's related to psychiatry, medical school in general, or maybe just in life, whatever you prefer? Yeah, so uh, I guess the advice that I'll give will be more targeted towards that career exploration piece. Um, There's a funny adage in that, like, you never truly know what you're getting into until you're truly in it. And as a med student, the best way to help you figure out what specialty you're going to pick is just like to get out there and get as much clinical exposure as possible, right? Like um, I found shadowing to be invaluable and I encourage people to do it. Like get out there, see how individuals are practicing, talk to them and like interview them about how they made their career decision, kind of similar to what this podcast is doing. And not just that, like, but as you're talking, as you're interviewing individual attendings, like get personal because no matter what specialty you'll talk to, like they'll, everyone talks about their specialty so well that it's almost like I can't make a decision between like awesome option number A versus awesome option number B. And so then when you get more personal um, with their thinking, like know their, know their way of thinking, know their personal circumstance, see if that matches up with your personal way of thinking and circumstance and then like find out how they made their career decision so that you can see yourself in their shoes of how they made that career decision and I find um, that was really helpful for me when I had to decide between family medicine and psychiatry and what I tell um, med students as they're figuring out a career is like there's four areas of consideration um, you want to know um, when making this decision So that first area is just like, what are your likes? So like, do you like the bread and butter of the basic presentations? Do you like the, the nature of the job? And then that second area is like, what are your personal strengths? Does it add up to um, how, what is required of this job? And then the third area is like, what are your pet peeves? As in, what are the things that, are your weaknesses and likely going to burn you out in a specific specialty? And then finally, the fourth consideration is like, what are your personal lifestyle circumstances? 
Do you want to work rural versus urban? Um, what are the considerations you have to make with your partner and your family? Um, do you want to have kids or not, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so these four considerations um, will evolve as you explore different um, careers, like specialties. And it's very normal to um, for that to really speed up during clerkship as you start to interact directly with patients. But remember that, like, at the end of the day, no matter what specialty you end up in, like, just remember that you're in a good job to begin with. Like, like you're very, like, we're very grateful to be in medicine and not everyone can get in. Um, and that no matter what ends up happening with, say, like, the CARMS match, like, know that if you're, um, like, know that you'll always have options and that you can shape your career how you want, especially if you're creative and determined enough. And so that's what I would say would be the advice I would give at this stage of medical students when it comes to um, career exploration. Thank you for the great advice. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was really great listening to your take and your insight. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of MedicMap with Dr. Susan Poon. We hope you gain valuable insight into the world of psychiatry. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more fascinating conversations with experts from different fields. We'll see you in the next episode.